Are you ready? Welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Anthony here with you again today. And this week, we are going to be taking a look at the business of football. Joining me today is going to be a super agent as well as one of my really, really close personal friends. So we'll be right back and we're going to get into it. With the combine in the books and the CFL draft fast approaching, these young future stars will have a lot of things to be excited for. But with the excitement also comes a lot of upcoming stress. Joining us today is a man of many hats. And on a personal level, where I am today is because of people like this guy. He has gotten me to where I am, and I greatly appreciate it. That's why I wanted to have him on the show. Uh, Not only is he the recruiting coordinator for the University of Saskatchewan Huskies football program, but he is also a multi-sport agent with Dulcito Sports. It's Super Agent and my friend, Chris Lamberis. Lambo, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, and thanks for those kind words. All right. Well, I always like to ask the question, where did your path to where you are today start in regards to football and being an agent? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I think most people that are involved in football, you know, you kind of have a background playing. And and for me, it started uh, playing football at a young age. I started doing camps and, and things like that in Saskatchewan and in kind of junior high. And that just progressed into high school. Parents ended up moving to, to Medicine Hat, Alberta. And you know, I was fortunate enough to join a, a, a wicked high school program there. Uh, won a provincial championship, only lost a handful of games in grade 11 and 12. And and that really just opened the door to playing post-secondary football. And, and I ended up ending my career with the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. And from there, you know, I, I love the game. And I'm like, how do I get involved? So naturally, you progress into, into coaching and um, started back at my alma mater at Hat High for a year. And then had an opportunity um, from a guy that's been, uh, you know, you talk about having people help you out and, and a gentleman by the name of Howie Zurin um, was with Langley Rams and, and was with the Okanagan Sun. I mean, he's, he's had opportunity to do some great things in the BCFC and he opened the door for me when he was with the Okanagan Sun and brought myself out there uh, with another buddy of mine, uh, Coach Mollard, who's with the University of Dinos. Uh, so I had an opportunity to start out there Jesus is going what 10 12 years ago and then from there I, I came back to Saskatoon and and my old defensive coordinator uh nicknamed Bomber uh he ended up giving me an opportunity to to join his staff on the defensive side uh and since then I've been with Husky football since 2014 and in various roles uh and you know in 2017 I segued in into the recruiting side as I became a dad and just the the time commitment and and whatnot with coaching was was just too much to to be a parent but I mean from the agent thing everybody always asks me you know how do you become an agent and I and I think it was just together for with my coaching background uh, my playing background and experience but I actually ended up graduating university with a business degree and I went into wealth management and that was my full time career for the longest time and I ended up you know representing NHL players on the financial management side of things. And I think that really opened up the door to saying, hey, you know, I'm handling their their finances uh, and providing them, you know, that side of, of career management. I'm like, maybe I could do this agent thing. Like, how, how do I take care of their entire career? Uh, and from there, I honestly, I just look at what the certification process was uh, in the NFL and in the CFL. Obviously, CFL being a lot easier, you just write a test and you pass. But NFL, you had to do all these crazy exams and and you have to have the the master's or a law degree. And and I just 
2018, I went and wrote and I passed and I was accepted into the program uh, by the player association to be certified. And I'm like, shit, let's go. So I, I exited, <laughs> I exited the financial industry and just said, let, let's go roll up the sleeves. And since 2018, I started representing athletes. So it's kind of a mix of, you know, I played college football. I coach college football. I've done the finances with pro athletes. So I just had a lot of different hats and, and skills that I thought I could bring athletes. And that's kind of how I got started. So you mentioned wealth management. So I have to ask the TV show Ballers, right? How mm -hmm. accurate is something like that? Because you mentioned it, you've lived it, you've done it. So is that, if someone watches Ballers, is that kind of accurate at all? Yeah, it's always funny. I mean, obviously there's always Hollywood and, and you know, there's always script writers that like to to embellish or blow it up. But I mean, there still is some some truths or half truths to it. I mean, at the end of the day, we know you know, you give a 22 year old a million dollar check. I mean, even myself, if I go back to when I was 22, if I got drafted in the NFL and was given guaranteed seven figures or eight figures, these guys are getting, I mean, I can't imagine how I would be right. Like I was young and dumb and, and was immature at that time. So, I mean, definitely there, there's a lot of things with wealth management. I mean, the biggest thing that I noticed was it's amazing how many people come out of the weeds and all of a sudden are your best friend. Or your cousin that you've never talked to all of a sudden is such a family person and wants to get in your corner. Um, and unfortunately, even close family members, parents, brothers, sisters, siblings, like in-laws, it's amazing how much entitlement comes out when somebody comes into money. And, and I've had the opportunity in wealth management to also uh, manage lottery winners where they come into like, you know, I, I had a Western 649 winner that won substantial amounts. And like, it's amazing how that relationship changes. So it's not just the athlete being dumb with money, but it's also the pressure from family to say, okay, you know, I got a brother, a sister, and they're in financial support. Can you buy me a house? Can you help me out? And so, I mean, there's that. And then there's also just like, you're 22, you're playing professional sports and you're the big person on, you know, in the town and you're going out to bars and like, you know, you want to buy people drinks, you want to buy the dinners, you can buy a high end car, but athletes don't realize that the average career is less than three years and you can get cut at any time. And, and, the, and the issue necessarily isn't the athlete that makes 50 million on a contract. Those still have problems. You saw Mike Tyson run into issues. It's the guy that's on league minimum that has no guarantee that's fighting for his job week by week comes into a big sum of money at that time, but then is cut in two weeks and go, shit, maybe I shouldn't have bought that $30,000 gold chain because now I don't have a paycheck coming in and I didn't take my education serious. Now what do I do? So there is some truth to, to that where, yes, we manage contracts. Yes, we do endorsements, but you're there for the bigger picture to keep the player grounded so that they make sound decisions, not just in their career, but off the field you know, off the ice or whatever, off the court. So one of your players gets drafted. Is that something that you talk to them about is like their wealth management as well. So you're trying to get them the dollars, but you're also trying to get them to keep their dollars and be smart about it. Yeah, for sure. And that's where I think I have a, a, a little bit of a, a leg up, not saying other agents don't have access to, to sound advice and lawyers and accountants and stuff like that. But I've got a really good relationship with a big accounting firm in, in Canada and they do a lot of cross-border tax planning. Um, they deal with a lot of the Toronto Blue Jays, a lot of the NHLers that get traded across the border and, and things like that. So 
obviously I've got that can uh, that accounting connection but then me personally I still maintain my certified financial planner and I got my MBA I'm very well versed and can provide a lot of advice for my wealth management background so just naturally I have those conversations and say okay like like you got to be smart you don't know when this is going to end you don't know when your career is going to get cut short you don't know what tomorrow brings so you know you have you have to have those conversations both because it's what's in the best interest of the athlete, but then competitively speaking, I'm competing with five, 700 other agents or however crazy amount there is of us. So what other value can I bring to this potential athlete to say, anybody can negotiate a contract and, and, and I'm not going to devalue the agents, but the rookie contract now is laid out. There's not much you can do from negotiating a rookie contract right? It's standard across, across the table. All sports have these rookie contracts based on where you're drafted. There's draft pool amounts and, and things like that. It's a rookie contract. You, you can't say, no, I want more money. So right. then as an agent, what ad value are you bringing to the player? Well, I can do marketing endorsements. I can grow your brand. I can grow your social media. I can provide you sound accounting practices and investment practices. I can take care of you more than just a contract. So in my opinion, if an agent comes to the table and just says, yeah, I'll negotiate your contract. Well, no shit, Sherlock. So can 500 other of us do a rookie deal? People that aren't certified can probably do the basics of a rookie contract because you're told what you're getting paid. Connor McDavid can't get more money than the rookie contract. The value comes on the second contract. Now it's how many contracts have you negotiated? What What is your expertise in that field? But in the first handful of years right you got to bring those extra things to the table to add value for your player so in canada there is a a rookie there's a rookie minimum which i don't want to divulge numbers because that's not fair to the players but in canada in the cfl is it very similar where you have a rookie deal and you have x number of years where you have to play under that deal so on and so forth yeah, for sure. For sure. It is like in, in Canadians that are go going through the draft, there is tables. You can actually look up the, the bargaining collective bargaining agreement. I mean, it, it's all contracts technically are, are public in some capacity, but not, not to dive into details, but it is capped. And then there's certain things that you can do for housing. Like in the CFL, you can get housing and you can get playtime performances, meaning like if you play in 51% of snaps or more, um, so there's a little bit of wiggle room there because you're, you're within the band. So just say like on a certain round, you're, you're allowed to get up to a certain amount of housing and up to a certain amount. So there is a bit of negotiating there. And unfortunately there are some players out there that if they don't have good representation, they don't understand what their fair market value is. So they might not go to the ceiling of the amount that they're entitled to, but you can't negotiate 150 grand as a rookie in the C, you'd be the first overall pick. You're still capped on a set amount of salary and on a couple of those bonuses, and you can't deviate outside of that. But where there is wiggle room is how much of those are you maximizing? Are you getting a hundred percent of what's available or are you not? And, you know, all agents have access to all the contracts, no different than a realtor, right? You're, you're listing your house. What did other houses go for on the block that are having comparables? So we do the same thing. We look at comparables. If I went in the fourth round and 
you know, I'm trying to do my math. You're 30 something. You know, if the 38th guy got this amount and you're 39, there's no way a 40th guy should get more than you. And there's no way that you should get more than a 20th guy. But that's my job is to get you the most amount of money. I want you to get paid more than the guy ahead of you because his agent isn't doing his job. And unfortunately, if you go to an inexperienced agent that hasn't done it before, that hasn't negotiated with these teams, I mean, it's a business. The teams are going to try and undervalue you. And my job as an agent is to overvalue you. So I make sure that I go in and, and get as much as, as I'm allowed on, on rookie contracts, but there still is caps to it. Do you feel like your two careers that you've had, like most recently with a recruiting coordinator and being an agent, do you feel like that they complement each other? hundred percent. You know, people ask me, why, why do you do that? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm in a volunteer role with, with Husky football. I, and I even put it on, on my social media, man. I, I bleed green and, and the Husky alumni, Husky football players know the culture and the family and everything about it. it you know, I just bleed green. I, I do this because Husky football took care of me. They, they honestly are so integral to, to getting to where I am now. And, and at the end of the day, you know, our head coach, coach Scott Flory is a 15 year CFL or three-time Grey Cup win, win, winning Hall of Famer. So I, I see him every day. And when you're around him and we have other Grey Cup champions on the coaching staff, when you're in an environment of winners who have gone very far in their CFL and professional careers, I'm just a sponge. So part of it is is being around Hall of Famers and being around CFL people is going to make me obviously a lot better. And remember, Scott was the president of the CFL Players Association as well. So just having people in my corner, you call it center of influences, continuously makes me a better person too. Uh, but that said, it's a volunteer role. I, I love it. I'm passionate. You know, I, I want to be a part of that program as long as I can, but it's volunteer, right? The time commitment is as much or as little as I want. But when you recruit the top 18-year-olds in the country, I am looking at film of all the top high school football players every year. So in four years, when it comes time to their draft, I already have their contact information. I already know who they are. I've probably already chatted with their parents. So does it complement it? hundred percent it does. And that's a direct correlation where, where it does, because when I'm texting a guy when he's 22, I've already had text messages with him three years ago, even if they don't commit to U of S I, I just, it's easier to to have them in my pipeline and already start that relationship. But I will say though, that I've made a business move where now I'm focusing more on NFL and other sports. I've actually started to disengage from the CFL. And most people don't know that it's just a business decision. And because I'm with the largest multidisciplinary agency in Canada, I am now starting to go after NFL and now I represent UFC fighters and, and I'm opening the door on, on expanding that, that we do have a CFL agent in house and his focus is CFL. So um, as much as a compliment, I'm looking to, to do NFL and, and UFC and other sports. Right. Well, it was complimenting then. So you brought right. up the company. So tell everyone about uh, Dulcito sports. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it, it Dulcetto is a really big multidisciplinary agency based out of Montreal, uh, but we are international. We've got clients around the world. We're we're heavily involved uh, in four divisions. So we actually have a modeling, an influencer, sports and entertainment, 
and an esports gaming division. So we are massive. We are large. We have some really high profile clients across all the divisions. Um, I can't even tell you how many staff members. I mean, we got these now. We have agents on both sides of the border. We have divisions on both sides of the border. Um, we got some high profile players like from hockey, Sarah Nurse, we represent to the UFC. We got, you know, Dustin Poirier and Aljo Sterling, UFC champion to, to, I mean, I'm not involved in the influencer game, but we got some really top influencers that have millions of followers. Um, you know, we've got actors that have been on HBO and Netflix that signed the youngest Air Jordan deal ever for age-wise. So, I mean, it, it's just a massive entity. They've been around for a long time. Uh, and just their ability to market and manage careers is just unmatched in Canada. I mean, we're on a level of the CAAs and the WMEs and the IMGs just because we have this multitude of divisions and resources. We've got Nike signed, Adidas, Prada, Porsche, like the big brand collaborations that we're doing is definitely something that is hard to match from independent agents in Canada or who are with smaller agencies in Canada, the U.S., so as an agent, what do you look at when you're attending the combine, whether it's CFL or NFL? Yeah, you, you know what? Like, it's funny you say if I'm at, at the combine, I mean, to back it up, I, I mean, you got to look at film and look at a player and look at their talent. Because at the end of the day, you need both. Obviously, you need character and you need a strong head on the shoulders and you need those smart skills and understanding the game and things like that, especially if it's like a quarterback or something like that. But at the end of the day, you got to have the talent to play in the professional football. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. But that said, you got to have all the talent in the world. And if you're a dumbass and you're not good character and you're an issue off the field, like you're going to run in, in into hiccups along the way. But prior to the combine, I mean, they, they got to be, they got to have the talent to play at the end of the day. And, and I mean, it depends positionally, right? I mean, speed's a big factor, especially if you're in a skilled position, if you don't have the speed to play CFL or NFL, you're dead in the water. It doesn't matter how strong or how good you play the position or how good you understand the playbook and the systems your coaches want you to play. You got to have the speed, you got to have the size. So measurables is a big thing, right? Because it is challenging because in the NFL, there are so many football players they can select from. So if you're a 5'9 DB and you got the same talent level as a 6'2 DB, well, it's pretty obvious who they're probably going to draft or who they're going to bring out to camp or who they're going to try out. And it makes sense for me, even at Husky football, if I've got five players and they're all similar talent level and I'm going to invest five years of developing, I'd rather develop the 6'5 220 kid out of high school or 240 kid out of high school then take a shot at a five, seven player, not saying that the Tyreek Hills don't make it and are some of the best in, in the game, but generally speaking, nine times out of 10. So I look at measurables. I look at talent. I look at film, but at the same time, you want to have conversations with the players to make sure that they're good people. And, and you know, they have the, the mindset um, to play pro. Uh, but if I'm specifically at the combine and I have a player at the combine, I need to know is how does my player stack up against the others that he's competing for? Because then when I have the conversations with other coaches in front office, you, you can't, you can't lie. Like, like talent can't lie. So if I'm at the combine and my wide receiver is the best wide receiver there, 
or if he's not, it's just more, more pieces that you can have on the table when you're promoting your athlete with front offices, because they also saw it. Like, look, my guy did this ABCD. He was the best there. Or on the flip side, if he's not the best, then you sometimes have to have those tough conversations with your athletes. Cause I mean, every athlete thinks they're the best athlete out there. They all think they're the best. They should go first overall. So sometimes you have to have those realistic and say, look, you're probably graded as the fifth best receiver. So you're going to be the fifth receiver off the board or approximately, or, you know, however you want to, to gauge with it. Right. So sometimes the combine just reconfirms where your player is from a grade level. Uh, and then you can relay those conversations with teams. So I want to hit something that you just said about how they could have, you know, crazy talent, but they're not a good person, so to speak. As an agent, what do you do in a situation like that where you're like, you know, this guy is money, but he's kind of a D-bag. You know, what, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's all situational. I mean, there, there's not like a, a, a checklist that you can go through. I mean, outside of obviously, if there was any any criminal activity that is hands off, like obviously, you look at what Team Canada Hockey is going through, right? Like obviously immediately, if there's something that is so, you know, unethically wrong, morally wrong, or just straight, like, I don't care if you're going to, if you're first overall, I will never cross that line. Now, if it is something where, you know, it, it, you know, a player made a mistake, but it's not, you know, something like what Team Canada and Hockey Canada was going through, like if, and, and I'll use an example, because I represent Chad Kelly. So quarterback for the Argos, and obviously he was in the NFL and had some off-site issues. So those things aren't aren't, you know, he's not doing something that is that he doesn't deserve a second chance. So it's really situationally has a player matured from it. Everybody makes mistakes. I, I mean, I always said if I ever got into politics, I'm sure they could probably uncover things that I did when I was 18, 19, 20, 20 year old. That probably might not be the best for PR. But it's not like I was doing damaging criminal things or or doing such things that were offside. So I think it's just situationally you see like has the player matured? Have they moved on from it? Uh, have they learned from those mistakes? Or is it a repetitive habit that is just going to end their career? Because at the end of the day, you, you know teams got to look at like is it a Watson situation, right? And is it something that there's no going back from? And I actually surprised that they paid him that kind of guarantee with that kind of history that, that he had. So it's really situational, right? Like pl players, they're young. They go out to the bar. They, they might get into an altercation. If, if it's just, you know, a minimal thing, you know, heated things and people get into a little bit of a scuffle, can it be on, uh, you know, is it something that they moved on from and it's undone or how massive of an issue is it? You really just got to take it situationally. But two, you also got to look at how smart of a football player they are, right? Are they coming from a college program that is very easy systems and they're going to have a larger jump to say a CFL defense or offense and how quickly are they going to soak that in? Because they don't have time. C CFL and NFL, like, yes, they'll invest in their draft pick, but it's a short leash. They'll move on to the next guy. They're not gonna. They're not gonna spend five years. If you're a high draft pick, they'll give you a longer leash. If you're a, a late round draft pick and you go to camp and you can't grasp concepts, I, I how long are you gonna have? How long are you gonna last? Right? Talent will only take you so far if you don't know what the f you're doing. Right? Um, so it's, it's a tough question to ask, but 
it really just is situational. And I just have conversations with players. I ask them about family, what are they doing? What kind of, you know, what's their background? What are they like doing when they're not playing football? You kind of just get a sense. And a lot of it comes down to just gut check. Do I think this person's good or do I think they're just, you know, POS and they're going to just, they're going to make dumb decisions that is damaging to my reputation and the agency's reputation. Then you can't take that client on. So you were mentioning about school. So you're going to have to take your Huskies hat off here for a second. Are there schools that are better to select clients from than others? Like, whether it be talent wise or whatever. And do you think it's in Canada? Do you think it's a demographic thing? Like there's certain areas in Canada that just like, it's just football. And then there's other areas that it's like, well, we hope we can pull someone good out of there. Matt, I can't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't answer that question. Uh, this could be such a politically correct question. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, joking aside, um, it doesn't matter what program they come from. It honestly doesn't matter if they're coming from a Vanier Cup team in Laval or they're coming from a team that didn't make the playoffs. There's good football players on every youth sport team. And, and I genuinely believe that. Now, some teams produce more draft picks than others, right? Some of the top teams that play in the in the crossover bowl games or go to Vanier's or win Vanier's produce some of the high, more frequently draft picks. But that said... There's some teams that, you know, in one draft class send three or four guys and they didn't make the playoffs. So they were first round exit. So you can't, you can't really say one team is better than the other. That said, there are consistency in programs. Some programs continuously send one or two or three guys plus every year. Now, do they stick in the CFL is another thing, but there are consistent programs and we know it, right? Like, I mean, being a Husky football player, I got the utmost respect for University of Laval. I mean, they're a good football program. They produce CFLers every year and they win Vanier Cups. So of course you're going to always have eyes on their program. But that said, there's other programs that haven't made it out of the playoffs or haven't made it far, but they still continuously recruit really good football players, develop really good football players and send them pro. So you can't ignore all programs. To me, the film doesn't lie. And I say this when I'm recruiting for U of S and I say this when I'm recruiting as an agent. Film does not lie. I don't care what program you're from. I don't care what school. It doesn't matter. When I look at the film, is this a football player that can play professionally or can they not? And I think sometimes even NFL teams get blindsided. Yes, if you play in the SEC and you have production, you're a really good football player because look at your competition you're playing against and you're in the best conference in the world. But that doesn't mean a small school guy can't compete. And you see that at the Senior Bowl in the East-West game. These small school guys come in and they hold their own. So you got to look at just talent at the end of the day. So we're going to take a little bit of a turn here because I want to start looking at a deeper look into the mental health side of football, right? So you're an agent and you're helping a lot of these kids coming out of college university. What are some of the stresses that a college university player go through? You, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm a really big uh, mental health advocate and I'm really open about this. And, and I think it doesn't even matter that it's a football player. I think all young people are under an extreme amount of stress and anxiety right now. That could be whether it's relationship with a girlfriend or boyfriend, 
whether that's parent pressure to succeed. Um, and you see that more in hockey, right? Like the crazy parents think their kids, the next Sidney Crosby. So I think there's a lot of performance stresses, both from their immediate coaching staff. Maybe it's from family members, parents, then you add school pressures to succeed in school. And then if you add friendships or relationships into the mix, I think it might, sometimes it's one big stress of school or a parent or a relationship or whatever it is. But sometimes it's all these little things that I just mentioned and together it's a lot of pressure on, on the players, uh, on the player's shoulders. Um, sometimes it's financial stresses and especially in football and down south, I would say I noticed that more because the the so the the social economic um, statistics, right? You're seeing a lot of football players come from single families, right? Single parents, sorry, you know they have a mom that raised them, and and you're talking low income families and things like that. So you have a lot of pressure where a player goes. So I think I think you have a lot of players that maybe come from not the best backgrounds financially, and then once they get to their Division One program, they're absolutely spoiled and taken care of. But then now they're done. They've declared for the draft. Who's taking care of them now? They don't have a paycheck coming in. They don't have their college program that is covering them anymore, right? They don't have a place to live. They don't have team meals. They don't have a place to train. And they don't have a paycheck coming in yet unless they make the NFL. So I think a lot of athletes might have that pressure of they need to succeed because that is their ticket to financial freedom or that is their ticket to, to a better life. And I think you see a lot of pressure, especially down south with some of the demographics in certain sports, right? And, and I'll, I'll call it how it is. I mean, a hockey player in Canada in the prairies to play hockey at a competitive level growing up, chances are they're coming from two parent households and high income earners. They don't have that financial pressure, but football is different, right? A lot of football players come from low income families, come from single parent households. So they have a lot of pressure in that, in that sense. And then you even take it a step further. A lot of them grew up around gangs and around violence so they're just wired different, right? So they have a lot of different pressures than say that Western Hockey League player who's 18 years old playing for the Calgary Hitmen or whatever team you want to say. So, but mental health, what I do is, is like, I'm really, 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 really big into mental health. And I always do checks with my players, always make sure. I always tell them one of my big, you know, things that I tell my players, I got my cell on. I never silence my phone. I never mute it. It is always on high volume and I keep it on my nightstand. And that is a commitment I give to all my athletes. 24-7-365, you call me. If you need to talk through things or you have a bad day or you have a bad night or you're stuck outside the bar and you can't get a ride, like anything, I'm always accessible to them. Um, as well as we have access, obviously, to the professionals. I, I'm, I'm not a counselor. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. So obviously, we have those resources if our players need it. Do you think there's a stigma around uh, football players admitting that they need help? 100% there is, right? And, and, and I think part of it is top down, because I think you still have a lot of coaches that are old school, right? They played in an era, and now they, you know, even when I played, 
in the early 2000s, right? It was tough, right? You talk about like the two a days and plus 30, plus 35 and, you know, full equipment hitting every practice. But that said, I think you have seen a shift and it's becoming more, more recognizable that you got to take care of the players, mental health, and, and even just how you practice, how you play players associations, obviously have limitations on how much players are allowed to be at the facilities and practice and things like that. But, but it still is, I mean, it's a violent game, right? It's a very violent, tough game. It, it, it's not for weak individuals. So here you're playing such a violent, tough game, but yet you're talking about being weak. You know what I mean? So yeah, of, yeah. Course <laughs> of course there's still that stigma around, but I think the more and more players that are open about it and talk about their struggles, that you still can be a Ray Lewis on the field, but talk about your emotions and your feelings and your struggles. And I always say like, if you have some gaps in your game, you have no problem going to talk to a nutritionist. You have no problem talking to a strength conditioning coach and working on those areas to better yourself. You have no problem going to a physio to rehabilitate, but why can't you do that for the mental side of the game? It, ma it makes no sense. If you need to get mentally tougher and stronger, why is there that stigma around? And I don't get that. And I think just the more and more people that advocate for it and speak about it, the more it becomes norm. My friend, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for shedding some insight into, I guess, the agent side of the game and the business side of the game. And on a personal level, just thank you for everything that you've done for me so far. And I, you know, your phone is always on because uh, there's time I call you, I text you, and you still always answer even me. And I'm not even an athlete. So I appreciate you. And I appreciate what you do for these young guys coming up. I appreciate it. I'm always about uh, seeing success for others. And, and I'm a really big believer of that, that, you know, a lot of people sometimes get jealous of other people's successes. For me, I just want the best for everybody. I want the best for you. And I know you're pursuing big, big goals and you've had some success getting into CFL and, and you're trying to, to do that. And I just, I just want people to succeed. You know, I really do want the best for them. So football's you know, really impacted my life greatly. And, and, you know, I've benefited from it. I'm, you know, I'm getting rewarded from it now. And it's crazy to think I get paid to do sports. So I just want to make sure that 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 can open the door for for others. And I think if you just give back, right, full yeah. circle, things come back and, and work in your favor, too. So thank you. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Is there anything else that you want to say to anybody before we ender today no it's all good appreciate <laughs> for ha having me on I, I i really do and i wish you all the best too thank you that was our conversation with super agent chris lambaris and a really good friend of mine we will be back next week and we are going to be taking a deeper dive into mental health and the effects it has on pro athletes you can follow us as always on Instagram and Twitter at Around the CFL Podcast. And you can find us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google, Pandora, iHeart, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And if you're loving the show, please feel free to give us a five star rating. Well, that is it for us this week, and we'll see you later. Mm -hmm.